0: Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke.
1: A very empowered Tuesday to all of you. I want to welcome you to the show today and offer my heartfelt gratitude for listening and for sharing the benefits of this wonderful show. The Boomerang Movement is a feature each week on the show as we demonstrate ways in your life that what you put out is what you get back. And today I want to highlight the value of releasing attachment to the outcome and having fun. My daughter is very passionate about volleyball and plays in high school and at the club level. And last week was a great example of releasing attachment to the outcome and having fun. The team suffered a very difficult loss on Monday night, and they had to rebound quickly and play a conference rival on Tuesday. I know the girls were all feeling really nervous about that. And it's, it's always best to have a short memory in sports when you suffer a loss or seeming failure. So a few of the team members come to our house for a healthy pregame meal before home games. And I just asked the girls about what they were feeling about Monday's loss. And they voiced their feelings. This is really very important elements to empowering uh, children or teens Or young adults, or anyone at that matter. And um, then I asked the girls what they wanted to experience, and here's the boomerang part of this uh, in the game on Tuesday. And they explained what would really benefit not just themselves as individual players, but the entire team. I had them see and feel that happening and um, just had, you know, told them to play like champions and have a lot of fun. They looked like a completely different team on Tuesday night as uh, all of what they desired and what they spoke about occurred on the court. Not a surprise to me, maybe a little bit of a surprise to some of them. And later I also found out that they had a dance party right before the big match. They got swept away in the music, danced and sang, and they got their mindset in a place of fun. And definitely the results followed. So if you're under stress about something in your life, look at ways that you can shift out of that stress into releasing attachment to the outcome and just having fun. It really does make a difference. Plus, if you're feeling stress, you will also want to pay close attention to our expert in Zen and basic mindfulness, Juliana Ray. And I want to welcome Juliana to the show today. We're so happy to have you.
2: I'm so happy to be here, Fee. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Let me just give you a quick formal introduction. Juliana has been practicing basic mindfulness with her clients for more than 14 years. After feeling miserable pursuing what she thought was her life's purpose as a recording artist, Juliana realized that and this is a really great quote, Juliana, if her mind was unhappy, that her life would reflect that unhappiness. Therefore, upon recommendation from a psychotherapist, Juliana began meditating. She attended a retreat given by an American mindfulness teacher who was ordained in Japan, Shinzen Young. Later, she added the rigors and rituals of Zen training to expand that practice. Juliana founded Pop Goes In to work with people to empower them in their personal growth efforts. Juliana works with both individuals and groups to really personalize their experience in basic mindfulness and to experience the benefits in their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual lives. So we're really happy to have you share some of your areas of expertise today.
2: Well, it's wonderful to be here. I know it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. And can you, I I just gave some really highlights and high points of how you arrived at practicing basic mindfulness, Juliana. Can you share kind of more of the details of what led you to this really amazing path and purpose in your life?
2: Absolutely. Um, I was, uh, in my 20s, I was uh, actually deeply depressed and highly anxious. Um, and I really was struggling with it. I knew that I didn't want to take medication if I could avoid it, but uh, I did try that at one point because I really needed something to help. But the therapist introduced me to meditation practice as an alternative, and I started practicing on my own and found it very interesting. I had some psychological insight. I found some relief in doing it. Um, I wasn't quite sure how it was affecting the anxiety and depression, but I really liked what it was doing. So I kept on doing it for a couple of years. And then I had some experiences that were unusual that I didn't really have, that were new for me. They were new experiences. And I recognized at that point that I needed proper guidance. And I was fortunately introduced to Shinzen Yang. I listened to a series of his called The Science of Enlightenment, and it blew my mind. I I felt I I was really very pragmatic. I was not a a spiritual seeker. Um, I I was mainly interested in the benefits of mindfulness um, for the purpose of healing areas of my life that I felt uh, needed healing and improving. Um, So when I heard Shinzen, I really appreciated his pragmatism and he's the architect of the basic mindfulness system that i now train people in and uh so that's that's how i came to it and it had a radical effect on uh my depression and anxiety and i still get depressed and anxious sometimes but it just doesn't stick the way it used to stick and therefore it doesn't compound and get uh you know i don't sink into um the levels of uh depression and anxiety that i once did it's i'm profoundly freed of it. So feel very grateful.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. So thanks for sharing that deep, honest truth about your experience that this is something that you still encounter and, and, and still happens. It's not like it, you know, you just start to meditate and practice basic, <laughs> basic mindfulness and it just goes away. Right. But it allows you, what I'm hearing you say, is it allows you to be able to cope or handle it in a much different or, or maybe even expedite it uh, yeah. more quickly too.
2: That's absolutely right. It's uh, it's radical, the effect that practice has had. Now, I, I spent a lot of time practicing, too, so there's that to consider. But um, the level of resilience is what I would point to, that there's just so much more bounce, that you just don't get caught in uh, the thinking patterns that tend to undermine you. For example, you don't get caught in uh, the heavy emotions that are uh, uh, dragging you down. So it's not that they stop happening. We're, you know, I'm a human being, I have a full life experience. It's just that I don't get caught in in those experiences the way I used to, so they don't stick around as long.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. And are there any other benefits besides that that resiliency that you which I think mm-hmm. is a just an enormous benefit? Yeah. Um any other benefits to exploring your own mind?
2: Uh, massive benefits, <laughs> radical benefits, really. Um, well, I would say that for me, another benefit has been the level of fulfillment that I experience uh, out, you know, in areas of life that I really enjoy. I have a heightened level of enjoyment. And also, um, in ordinary moments throughout the day, I experience greater enjoyment. So the fulfillment has Increase in the areas of life that I already enjoy and then expanded into sort of ordinary moments throughout the day. And then there's also I, I, one of the hugest surprises for me when I started practicing was how physiological, how tangible the results of meditation practice are. When you, you know, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, that sounds nice, I'll relax, that'll feel good. I, I never imagined. Uh, how physiologically profound tranquility can be or energy, the flow of energy can be or the sense of emotional well-being. So it, it's a, a matter of intensity. The more you practice, the more intense and profound the tranquility, the energy, the emotional well-being become.
1: Wonderful, yeah. Yeah. That I I would say that as a society, we could use some of those benefits. Indeed, in in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of that, as we are in a society that is so, uh, it bombards you with action, and so Mm -hmm. the emphasis is on just constant distraction. Right. How, how do you practice or how do you recommend to your clients to practice mindfulness in these very busy, distracted moments?
2: Right. Well, um, the good news about basic mindfulness and also about Zen, by the way, they're both uh, practices that are designed to bring meditation into the activities of your life. The idea is to create a through line uh, where you start with formal practice, Um, but actually at the same time, you can begin implementing specific strategies. I think people get confused by the word mindfulness because it can mean there's the sort of ordinary colloquial word mindfulness, which means just being aware. But basic mindfulness, that involves a specific set of strategies that you implement during the activities of your life. And it has the effect of Heightening your uh, appreciation of the activities that you're doing, uh, enabling you to focus, heighten your productivity and your efficiency, and also your enjoyment. So, uh, and it's an accelerated practice. Actually, because it's more challenging to bring meditation into activities, uh, it's an accelerated practice. You're, you can grow a little bit. Uh, faster, doing it that way. So it's challenging, but it has tremendous rewards. And then you're not simply distracting yourself. The mind needs a break, no matter what. Our minds need a break, and we are going to find a way to get that break, even if it means just zoning out on Facebook uh, or whatever it is. That's that's kind of a necessary part of uh, sort of the routine of the mind. The, there's activity, and then it needs that break. So what mindfulness does, it, it makes that break period conscious so that uh, you are truly recharging. You're truly getting the break you need rather than simply distracting yourself.
1: Got it. Well, and and I would imagine... Um, just being able to practice that and know and understand that, you know, that, hey, my, my mind does need a break. And, and mm-hmm. that's, there's probably such great power and freedom when you give your clients permission to say, yes, you know, this is how you're going to give your mind an active break or a conscious mm-hmm. break. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's
2: deeply empowering. A lot of people don't realize that these are skills that you can do during activity. Um, so that's very freeing for people who are incredibly busy. Uh, there's no excuse anymore.
1: <laughs> right, sure, because you can practice it at any time, wherever that's you right. are. Right, exactly. right. And um, speaking of the practices, I want to get into some more of the practicality of what are some effective mindfulness practices that you do teach clients. Like what are some Mm -hmm. of those strategies if we were to introduce them and break them down for people to begin to, you know, Mm -hmm. actively and consciously give their minds a break?
2: Um, well, you know what I can do is um, I feel like there are maybe two questions in there. One has to do with uh, what clients find most beneficial, and another has to do with what, what we can offer people today here listening on the call um, so that they can have a kind of a takeaway practice that they can try on their own. So I'm going to address the first half of that question first, and then maybe we can do a quick guided so that people actually get a a sense of, oh, okay, this is how you do it. Um, In terms of the clients, you know, it really varies from person to person. Each individual, the way I look at it, each individual has sort of gifts and strengths that they bring to the practice, And one of the challenges is that meditation is often one-size, presented as one-size-fits-all. In other words, focus on your breath, and if you can't focus on your breath, then you don't know how to meditate, or you can't, you you know, you're no good at meditating. So a lot of people feel discouraged because they try a particular meditation practice, it doesn't uh, resonate with them, or they struggle to do it, and they decide they're no good at it, and that's the end of it. But in fact... Everybody's a little bit different. They're going to respond to different things. I have certain clients who immediately discover a deep sense of tranquility, and that becomes their road in. I have other clients who have tremendous empathy. Um, you know maybe they're uh, the person that people go to professionally or personally, when they have issues. So this person uh, may be constantly navigating uh, the challenging emotions of the people around them. So uh, that person would respond to a different technique than the person who uh, drops into deep states of tranquility right off the bat. And then there are other clients who are really, they have specific situations that they want to learn how to uh, apply strategies to uh, so that they can make the most of those situations and, and um, you know, handle them as best they can. So, uh, and actually, generally speaking, it's sort of a combination. So there are these gifts and strengths that people bring that define how we're going to focus uh, and then that changes over time. Uh, different windows of opportunity present themselves and people uh, make new discoveries, uh, have interesting revelations, and then that takes us down a different course. And then at the same time, we're working with their unique schedule, uh, noticing windows of opportunity for them to practice, areas that they feel challenged by that they'd like to improve. Uh, so is that... Does that give a clear
1: enough picture? Do you need oh, d- it definitely does, Juliana. And, and so in you, what you're saying is that when you work with clients, you really tailor each uh, of the practices right. to the, the, the specific situation that arises for that client so that you can then uh, really enhance the benefits of the meditation and the practice for them.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and this is the kind of stuff you learn over years of practice, how, how to recognize windows of opportunity and optimize your practice time. Our, our time is so precious, and you just want to make sure that you're doing a practice that is ideally suited to you, that you're going to remain engaged in, because it's hard work, especially at first. Uh, often for people, there aren't a lot of obvious, clear benefits up front, so a lot of it is just developing the habit of practice, Uh, without a lot of clear rewards. It takes a few months. So, uh, you know, during that time especially, you want to find a practice that's engaging. And then, uh, you you know, you want to recognize these windows of opportunity that present themselves throughout the day. That's not something you're immediately going to see on your own. You do need some guidance to kind of catch that, catch those opportunities
1: Great. And so we are going to take a quick break right now. And then when we come back, let's walk through a a basic uh, guided uh, meditation, okay? Yep, sounds great. All right. We'll be right back.
3: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs, Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
4: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
3: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment, To reach Fee Zanke or her guest on the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And we're back with my guest, Juliana Ray, and we're talking about Zen and the basic benefits of basic mindfulness. And um, before break, Juliana uh, very graciously said that she would lead us through um, a mindfulness exercise. So would you like to start there, Juliana, so the, the listeners can get the value and benefit of um, your work right, right now as we're uh, coming off a of break?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, let's dive in. Um, so the key with basic mindfulness is that you can actually focus on any sensory experience. Uh, and the key is that you're, sp- you're focusing with specific skills, You're developing a specific set of skills. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of teach you the skills at the same time that I'm giving you a little bit of guidance. So I'll I'll do more talking than I normally would, but this is to highlight those skills as you go through this practice with me together. So take a moment and close your eyes wherever you are and bring your attention into your body And allow your attention to move around through the body. And you're going to specifically notice qualities of relaxation happening right now in your body. So some of the examples of relaxation might be that you notice that... On the exhale, the muscles that have worked to open the lungs, get a chance to relax. So the exhale is a good place to go. You might also notice a kind of pleasant neutrality in places like the hands or the feet, Or you might detect that delicious sinking sensation that we get when we're feeling relaxed. That could be stronger in certain parts of the body or it could be all over. And your mind is going to drift. Your mind might drift into thinking might get distracted. You might hear a sound in the environment. That's natural. But you're just going to gently return your mind, return your attention to the relaxation over and over again. As many times as your mind wanders, you're returning your attention to the relaxation and that builds a skill called concentration power. So concentration power is the ability to focus on what you deem relevant, what you consider important. So each time you bring your attention back to relaxation, that's like a rep at the gym. It's a strengthening exercise, especially if right at this moment you're not noticing so much relaxation. You might be agitated. You might uh, have a lot of thinking going on that's distracting. So in that case this is a strength training exercise. You're you're building that muscle of concentration power by bringing your attention again and again to the subtle or the more subtle experience of relaxation. So in that way it's a workout. And now as you focus on the relaxation, You're going to do your best to track it moment by moment. You're going to notice things like where the relaxation is located in your body, where it's more intense, where it's less intense, discovering different qualities of relaxation. Maybe there's a sense of stillness. Maybe there's a sense of flowing energy. So discovering the quality of relaxation and tracking it moment by moment, that develops the skill of sensory clarity. In our life experience and in our inner experience, when things pile up, we get overwhelmed. So it happens that sensations, experiences pile up and create a sense of overwhelm because they're all jumbled together. So, for example, you might have physical pain, but then on top of that, you might have a, a fear reaction to it. So, independently, the physical pain and the fear reaction might be manageable, but what happens is, We're not aware often that they're happening simultaneously. They get jumbled together and they cross-multiply and intensify our suffering. So the skill of sensory clarity helps you reduce overwhelm by being able to track individual sense experiences. And in this case, that's relaxation. And then finally, our third skill that we're developing is equanimity. So you might get frustrated that your attention keeps wandering and you keep having to pull it back. And then you might fall into judgment. You might say to yourself, oh, I'm just lousy at this. I can't do it for more than a second. So what you want to do with equanimity is do your best to suspend that judgment. Do your best to accept where the mind is right now, recognizing that just doing this activity is strengthening your concentration power. So you can't do it wrong. It may be challenging to do, but you can't do it wrong. So equanimity is an acceptance, and that acceptance can be mental. uh, In other words, suspending your judgments about whether something is good or bad. It can be emotional. And the acceptance can also be physical. You can uh, intentionally uh, stop pushing and pulling on your inner experience, trying to make it go this way or that. In other words, stop pushing away discomfort and stop clinging to comfort. So in the case of relaxation, doing your best to soften around it, let it come and go as it wants to. Relaxation may get more intense, it may well up, and then it may dissipate. And you want to do your best to have a kind of a hands-off relationship where you are not trying to steer the ship of that relaxation experience. You're just allowing the energy in it to come up, well up, and subside. And that is the skill of equanimity. We're freeing up the energy that's caught in the push and pull, caught in our habit of fighting with our experience, resisting to it or clinging to it. So that's a a really essential skill, equanimity, to free up our energy and Create a sense of inner balance so that we're able to meet all our experiences, whether unpleasant or pleasant, with greater acceptance. And so this is a simple exercise you can do. Uh, Five or ten minutes. I would recommend ten minutes a day. Just close your eyes and notice where relaxation is happening in your body and make sure... That you're applying those three skills.
1: Really beautiful, Juliana. Thank you, and I feel really relaxed right now too. So fantastic! <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely feeling the benefits. In fact, I thought to myself, "Gosh, if I get really relaxed, I might not be able to come back <laughs> to do the rest of the show." <laughs> um, but it's interesting the 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 piece on equanim- equanimity. It. Um, I noticed yesterday myself as I was preparing to do, uh, write a workshop that I have coming up, and I noticed some tremendous pain that was kind of radiating down my left arm. And I just noticed it, and I just sat with it and noticed the pain rather than try to, like you said, push or pull or have some type of judgment around it. I noticed it. Mm-hmm. And as I allowed that experience, I also noticed it, and it took a little bit of time to do, maybe a minute or two or whatever, but um, I also noticed it dissipate. There you go. So um, one of the questions that I have is for people that are suffering from some type of physical pain, Mm -hmm. um, can they do this type of practice so that they can release um, I guess, the, the attachment to that pain or even judgment around that pain and absolutely. see the benefits. Absolutely.
2: absolutely. Yeah. In fact, the science is all behind it. It's, it's very clear that this practice uh, reduces suffering from pain. It changes our relationship to pain. So, yes, that's one of its primary uses is for people who are struggling with pain.
1: So those of you who are out there listening, and I know you're out there, um, please take note that this is certainly something that you can do and practice, and and I can clearly tell you that I experienced uh, the true benefits of it just in a little bit of time. I mean, I was doing it right along with the listeners. Hopefully, they weren't driving their car when they were doing it, so...
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can that's how the to meditate while doing that too. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, tell us what some of your greatest success stories are with clients who practice practice mindfulness regularly.
2: Mm. Well, you know, it's actually really fun. Because it's so powerful, I don't. People often don't expect it to be so powerful, have such a powerful impact. Uh, One of the funnest things is just to get reports that coworkers have noticed a change. Uh, They can't quite put their finger on it, but something's different. The way the way this person is showing up is a little bit more maybe relaxed, or they're not quite sure what it is. So I get a lot of that, where uh, you know friends, family, coworkers notice a shift. Uh, and the shift is significant enough that they comment about it. Um, I also have clients, you know, I have such a range of clients. I have a 90-year-old man that I work with, and he was so resistant at first uh, that at one point, I think we were a couple of months in actually, I asked him for his feedback, and he said, "I'm angry at myself for doing these stupid techniques. They're wasting my time." Wow! Yeah, so it it was kind of great that he could be so frank with me, and that's really what I wanted because that, you know, that level of honesty. That's gonna get us somewhere. If you're not free to be honest, then there's nowhere to go. If you, if you hold that in, you're just gonna shut down and eventually you're just gonna turn off to the practice and that's that. But he stuck with it. Something about it was compelling him to keep on going. Initially, he thought it was supposed to be some kind of talk therapy, which is pretty common. That's what we're familiar with in, in, you know, in the West is uh, talk therapy. And this is not not that. So he found it sort of refreshing, actually, but he didn't understand what it was doing, and he struggled with it, struggled with it, struggled with it, and then he started to notice. He started to drop into deep states of tranquility, and at first he thought maybe it was an accident. He didn't quite believe it, and then actually we switched techniques, and we found, and this is a perfect example of what can happen. We found a technique that worked for him, and a transformation occurred. It was a huge shift, a complete shift for him. He began to consistently experience deep tranquility. This is a man who had lost his wife about six months or so ago, uh, six months to a year ago. He was in terrible grief, and um, he shifted from his stance of resistance to deeply appreciating and he softened and there were dramatic changes in his personality. That's wonderful to see. Uh, I've also worked with people who, I worked with someone who was prepping for an Ironman on the other extreme and uh, we came up with a whole uh, mindfulness map for the day of the event. Uh, It turned out to be an especially challenging day. Apparently they had the worst Uh, weather on record, and he watched people freaking out, dissipating their energy, and he knew how to navigate the challenge of the circumstances. And I think also on top of that, he was able to fully enjoy the process. Uh, you know not be so consumed with the end result with the goal, and uh, just participate in that you know what is a terribly grueling process, but for him, you know I think it it really uh, it gave him a resource to lean on, no matter what was happening, whether things were going well or whether things were challenging and so those are a couple of examples I like to point to
1: those are wonderful examples, and what i 'm so impressed with is that a ninety year old was seeking this knowledge and information and wisdom from you you know to well, practice well here's a so that's little impressive. Secret.
2: yeah <laughs> the little secret is that we we uh, at first had to present them strictly as anxiety techniques which technically they are but sure. uh, i think i think if we had to said meditation or anything like that, I'm not sure he would have been open to it. And, of course, he's done a total turnaround on that. At a certain point, he understood, you know, that these were not just uh, uh, anxiety techniques, but specifically that it was meditation, and he has now completely embraced it on all levels. So that's really very heartening.
1: And the other thing that is really noticeable too, and this I can tell you from my own experience and in working with my clients that I coach, is that the interesting thing uh, is the grief connection because each person that I know, and I, I speak a lot about grief, not just in the in the place of, Loss, um, b- uh, loss, or death, but rather uh, loss loss of a relationship or anything that can happen to allow a person to grieve, mm-hmm. and. Um knowing that you know, his, his wife had passed six months prior to you beginning the practice with him, and noticing and, and knowing that after a while, you, you know, he was angry and, and frustrated and, and so beautifully and openly spoke about that, mm-hmm. but then was able to move through it. Anger being one of the phases of grief and was able to move through it. I think as again, as a society, we need to be aware of the the beautiful process that can happen when people grieve and knowing that this can be such an added value and benefit um people need to know and understand that because we all experience it and i know it, when when my dad passed away 6 years ago i remember going I was on a swim. I was training for a, tri- a small triathlon and I was on a swim and I said, what is this that I'm experiencing? Mm-hmm. And it was, and I got the message during the swim, well, Fee, this is the uh, depression phase of grief. And I went, oh, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And so by recognizing it, I was able to allow it and that's then was it. able to move through move
2: through it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. then you experience the poignant beauty of it, as you pointed out. I mean, when I... When my mom passed away a couple of years ago, that's when the benefits of my practice became especially clear to me. Because of the degree to which I was able to be available to her through that process and the degree to which I was able to allow that process to teach me that I was able to learn and grow from being with her through that and my father and my brothers. So you know, it's a that's one of the beautiful things about this practice is that it makes you available for the whole spectrum of life experiences. And we do tend to, in this society, uh, have a kind of a shroud of fear around death and resistance to that natural process. And so we miss the opportunity to really be present with the people we love as they're leaving because we're having a hard time admitting to ourselves that they're going. And then sure. we miss the learning, the, the, the opportunity to grow from being present with them as they go. They're teaching us through their going, and uh, it's, a, it's an invaluable lesson. So, yeah, I, 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 that was one of those moments where personal, on a personal level, it hit me how profoundly grateful I was for my practice.
1: Yeah. And we've got to take another break. We'll be right back.
3: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
4: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Find out what makes the most successful
3: people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment, To reach Fee Zanke or her guest on the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And welcome back, everyone. If you do have questions for my very special guest, Juliana Ray, by all means, please uh, call us and let us know what your specific questions are. For you, We want to be able to serve you in that way. Julianne, I want to ask you um, what the benefits are, if you can explain a little bit about Zen and the rituals with Zen, and what are the benefits of combining these two practices, mm-hmm. Zen and basic mindfulness?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, so, Zen, you know, in our culture, we tend to think of Zen as being sort of laid back or even keeled, you know, not getting, unflappable is sort of how we tend to culturally label Zen, you know. Oh, it was really Zen. Uh, But in fact, when I think of Zen, based on my training, I think of uh, spontaneity and freedom of expression and full engagement. That's what I think of when I think of Zen, because that is what the practice develops. And one of the, you know, I've had the benefit of going on repeated Zen retreats and being trained by a master, a Zen master, and in my opinion, that is the strength of the Zen practice, is actually going to these retreats and experiencing firsthand work with someone who is, who can up your game, <laughs> up your, your spiritual practice game through their wisdom and experience, uh, so what you what the the retreats do is they ritualize everything. Every moment of your day is accounted for. And initially, it's overwhelming. All of the bowing you need to learn. You during the meals, you lay your bowls out in a specific way. You put your chopsticks and spoon down in a specific way. Your cup goes in a specific place. Uh, you're chanting while you're setting all of it up. You uh, every, the serving everything is ritualized. So you're learning a ton of little details and initially it's overwhelming but what happens is over years of practice those rituals become second nature and then there's no decision making. You can just drop deeper and deeper into meditative state and you are training your, uh, your motor skill. You're actually training the meditative process into your motor activity so that, for example, when it's your turn to be a server, every gesture, you know, you put that cup down, you you pass that bowl down, every gesture becomes an expression of your practice. So that is something extraordinary and beautiful that Zen training offers you. But what I love about basic mindfulness is That since most people are not going to go on that kind of an intensive retreat, basic mindfulness gives you a way to learn that process uh, on your own or with a trainer and carry it into your daily life right off the bat with specific techniques and strategies. So uh, you get the benefits of uh, the Zen quality of experience, but you do it through these techniques and strategies that you can practice daily. Does that make sense?
1: It definitely does. And I'm just envisioning going to a restaurant where the servers are all practicing Zen and just passing down the the plates (laughs) and just being very mindful as they do it.
2: (laughs) It takes uh, on a kind of a poignancy and a beauty than sure. even just a, a simple gesture like putting a cup down. You know, at Starbucks, <laughs> right? A, exactly. It makes life a richer experience. Those ordinary moments take on a, an extraordinary quality.
1: Well, and it it does it does show the value of in that case the connection between mind and body or the motor skills like you That's said right. the mind body connection it actually it shows the benefits of that Absolutely. and, and it allows that practice to happen yeah. yeah.
2: And that's the idea you want it to be. You know, we tend to think of meditation uh, as any kind of meditation as a place to escape to for a few moments to get away from your busy, overwhelming life. But ultimately, you want your life to be a meditation. And in order to do that, you have to train that bridge between the two. That's how Zen does it on, on retreats, ritualizing everything. Uh, and basic mindfulness does it through specific techniques and strategies.
1: Okay, and so in your practices with your clients, clearly there's there's that added value of combining those two to be able to support a client in a way that um, just adds those benefits from both. Absolutely, practices.
2: yeah. Just as a result of my training and experience, I tend to uh, relate to you know I, I'm familiar with bridging that gap between. Uh, meditation, formal meditation, sitting meditation, and meditation in life, bringing it into the world.
1: Yeah, and I know uh, in reading your uh, bio and information, I know one of the things that you were faced with, with was the um, back surgery or the idea that you were going to be faced with back surgery and through meditation you were able to not have that back surgery. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, yeah. Actually, it was a combination. Um, I found a fantastic book by John Sarno called Healing Back Pain, and um, to be honest, without that book, I don't. I'm not sure what would have happened. Mindfulness is a comprehensive skill. Uh, Sarno has a very specific uh, psychological approach to physical pain, such as the back condition that I had, and. Combining that with mindful awareness is what really reversed my condition. I, I, after my first retreat, I had a, my back went into terrible, excruciating spasm, unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And I went and had an MRI, and they showed two herniated discs, and they blamed it on the sitting. They said, oh, you've been sitting too much, that's the problem, which is so comical to me now because... The amount of sitting I've done since then is so extreme because of all the retreating I've done. But at the time, that was, you know, that was how they, oh, we can see you have two herniated discs and this is a problem and blah, blah, blah. So I went through two years of, two and a half years of trying different, you know, uh Physical therapy, acupuncture, and meanwhile, I kept going on retreats because I was finding it so helpful, but what I didn't realize is that the retreats were actually, because they were so intensive, they were bringing up strong emotions, and I was, I had an old survival mechanism, old defense mechanisms in place. I, you know, some part of me unconsciously, without my realizing it, was trying to shove those feelings down. And so I was having these big, this big release of feelings, and another part of me was shoving it down, and that was causing uh, these symptoms, these, these physical symptoms. And I didn't understand it, but uh, my practice deepened as a result. Oddly, if it hadn't been for the debilitating back pain I was experiencing, I don't know if I would have taken the time to develop my mindfulness practice, and I, it's, I'm profoundly grateful so and then a couple of years in i someone gave me this book and at first i was very skeptical because it was so physical i couldn't imagine that it had a psychological component or and let alone that 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 could actually understanding that could reverse the condition but lo and behold i read that book and uh had a full complete recovery and came to understand myself much more as a result and it set in place uh, this uh, um, habit of you know practicing regularly for extended periods of time. So all in all, it was an oddly uh, <laughs> oddly successful experience to go through excruciating back pain for two and a half years. Well, I've
1: seen that in so many cases, Juliana, with the clients that I work with, where it's the greatest obstacle becomes the opportunity for the clients. And one of my favorite quotes is, um, there is a seed of grace in every difficulty. And I I always encourage people, let's look together, let's look for the seed of grace in this, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And in your case, obviously, it led to a really deepened practice and a, a really a greater understanding of the practice for you which then you can share with countless others that you've worked with over the years.
2: It's true and and no and understand how challenging extreme pain can be as well having lived through that.
1: Sure, sure and and developing that true compassion for it, of course. Absolutely. Um what
2: are some of the methods that
1: you teach that uh, allow people to not be attached to the results of the mind or not be attached to what the mind is bringing you? Kind of like that, where you were saying um, in the unhappiness of your mind, you know, and, and, and knowing that if your mind wasn't happy, then you, your, your mm-hmm. life would follow suit. If you can quickly give us some of those methods before we wrap up.
2: Absolutely. Well, I would say that really this practice has a cumulative effect and those skills that I pointed to earlier in combination, that's the concentration, power, sensory clarity, equanimity applied to any sensory experience. That is going to have an effect on loosening the grip of experience. And it, it's interesting because it's nonlinear in the sense that you may be focusing on relaxation in the body, but you may notice that it has a result and some, like you become uh, a little bit less uh, wound up around a certain goal that you're trying to achieve. So it's, it's interesting, as long as you're developing those three skills, it doesn't matter in a sense what your objective focus on, those three skills together are what is going to loosen that Grip of attachment that's so essential. I loved hearing your opening story because it's so relevant to what this practice offers people.
1: Yeah, and it, it was so evident to me to see the difference between the team from one night to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beautiful. and and I think that's what that's what you know. Again, the benefits around. Uh, sports and and doing that thing and doing these types of things with related to sports or any type of goal oriented type type of uh experience that people are is, listening are looking for
2: yeah which we're all engaged in. And there's nothing wrong you know there's uh Shenzhen likes to refer to achieving our goals as a kind of a surface happiness, and that 's not a derogatory thing that 's just That's a necessary part of life, that surface happiness of, you know, having a goal, setting a goal and achieving it and experiencing the satisfaction of achieving that goal. And then there's also deep happiness. And the deep happiness is what we train with mindfulness. And the key is to have balance in our lives. There's no problem with having, uh, you know, goals that we want to achieve and achieving them. It's just that we tend to rely too heavily on those and we're handicapping ourselves. When we cultivate through discipline, when we cultivate deep happiness, uh, that's when our life falls into better balance all the way around.
1: And um, for listeners who are interested in seeking further information with you, please just let us know exactly how to get in touch with you.
2: Absolutely, um, you can email me at Juliana, J-U-L-I-A-N-N-A at p o p G-O-Z E N dot com dot com uh, and that's the name of my website as well, so if you, you want to check it out there. And uh yeah, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me.
1: Wonderful. Well, we are so grateful for you, Juliana, for uh, sharing such great insights and wisdom on the show today and for our listeners. And we also thank our women and men who serve our country for your selflessness and serving the freedoms and rights of our country. We give you our heartfelt gratitude. Thank you for all of the listeners and for sharing the message of empowerment. And I wish all of you a very inspired week. Have a great week.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment Theme Mazanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel We'll see you then!